0: You're listening to the Common Grace Podcast, stories of common grace and common people for the common good. How do we treat pain and injury when we can't even see it? And why is there so much stigma around mental health in the church today? Today we talk again with Kate Conselman, where she shares how she became a mental health professional and about her work advocating for foster children. She touches on holistic counseling, its place in the church, and why we so desperately need to get involved in the conversation. Kate Konsman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We have Kate here. She's, um, she's founder and, and just a phenomenal human being, but founder of Well Counseling, and we're just glad to have you. Kate, would you mind just telling us a bit of your story how you got into the mental health and uh, foster care world you've you've had a real compassionate storyline so maybe you could share that with us
1: yeah i have always had a strong desire to connect the church and social justice i think god creates each of us with different i kind of like the word sensitivities right like we all have different sensitivities to different parts of the world that he's created. And I remember reading the Bible as a teenager and feeling like passages specifically around advocating for the neglected or standing up for the ignored seem to just jump off the page. And I always saw this as the church's responsibility. And because I see myself as a part of the church and associate with the church, really what that means is it's my responsibility. I distinctly remember after several months of I kind of just had gone to school around psychology and that realm of study, and so I remember just trying to find a job within social work, ended up at Youth for Christ, which is now Olive Crest, but it's a private foster care agency in Tacoma, and I just distinctly remember after several months of working within the foster care system, I was shocked that there were so many kids in need of a home in need of a family, whether that was for temporary purposes or long term purposes, it was like they were the invisible children in our communities. And growing up sponsoring kids through world vision or through compassion, you know, I had associated these kids in need around the world, but not in my own community. And once you see that kind of need, you can't unsee it. I feel like it's one of those things now where I identify it everywhere. You know, it's kind of like now that you've seen it, it's like when you're shopping for a car and then all you see is the car you want, right? And so I just remember feeling disappointed that I had never heard about the foster care system from the church not once. I grew up in the church, and it was never something that I had heard about from the church. And so it's one of the reasons I love being a part of Whitewater is because we do talk about community need and foster care being one of many needs. I really believe that we make Jesus visible to a world by loving and serving the community. And it is messy um it's just like i think that's why a lot of us are passionate about it via social media or conversation but not often in action me being the best example of that across the board but i think jesus is the ultimate example of action and being in the community and serving those needs and so that's a long tangent that I could go into in another, another day, but that was kind of what drew me into the foster care system, and I ended up working in the foster care system for about seven years in a variety of roles.
0: This is a two-part question. Why do you think it is that our communities, and also especially the church, has had stigma around mental health? And then why do you think it's pivotal for the church to be leading the way in mental health and wellness?
1: Mm. I so appreciate that question. Gosh, I think the stigma around mental health in the church is perpetuated by the thinking, behavior before belonging, which a lot of whitewater we talk about belong before you believe, right? And so there's this culture Age old in the church of behavior before belonging. And I think that that type of thinking also keeps mental health in a stigma because we see mental health as bad behavior in our mind. It's, you know, anxious thinking, depressive episodes, which could lead to poor coping skills like drinking or addiction to a variety of other things, could be shopping, could be whatever your coping is. And so we kind of just lump mental illness into bad behavior. And then because there is a culture we're trying to break within the church of good behavior before you belong, that keeps mental health kind of at the door. I think instead of an atmosphere of the church being all who are weary and anxious and heavy burden with depression, I'm adding in terms here, but come and get rest, We create a church culture that's like, be on time, act appropriately, don't have any problems, and if you do, leave your mess at the door, you know? But that's not Jesus. That's religion. And so I don't know that it's necessarily any different stigma than what the church already kind of wrestles through with that tension between religion and grace, but I think that it tends to lump a lot of mental illness into that which is unfortunate. And I'll just say, just to tag on that and be nerdy for a second, I think in one of the mistakes the church makes in regards to mental health is we confuse the brain and the soul. We lump those together. So if you're having an issue with your brain, what I would say mental illness, we confuse that as a soul issue. And that's not correct. A brain is an organ, just like your heart, just like your lungs, and it can dysfunction based on biological components or experience through chronic stress or trauma, whatever that is. And so sometimes I think the church has really messed up saying a brain issue is a soul issue when those are two different things. And so we associate anxiety and depression as something as a lack of faith rather than really asking the question, what's going on with you? what what is your story? What have you been through that could contribute to these low feelings or you know these anxious tendencies? So that's one thing that I hope that the church starts to differentiate between, which is is brain and soul, which I see differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Could you give us any examples of where you see maybe the church having fallen down in this area? And we'll talk about maybe some bright spots, but maybe an example that might help us, you know, clearly understand the ramifications.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think I see this a lot with my clients at Well Counseling. I have Christian clients and and people that don't associate with the church clients, but a lot of people have stories about how they have brought up that they are feeling really low or having these feelings to the church because people do go to the church for help, right? Like that really still is a common response from the community is if I need help, I can go to the church. So I think people are going to the church with those concerns that they're having in their self or in a friend. The church isn't always necessarily knows how to respond to that or is equipped. So I've had... People share experiences of sharing that they've been feeling depressed and the church will pray for them, maybe not equip them with resources, connect them with someone they can talk to or a counselor or whatever that may be. And so it feels like prayer is the only answer. And maybe because this person has more going on of different components that need healing, then they're in a dangerous place, whether it's with suicidal ideation or self-harm. And unfortunately, the church has kind of missed that opportunity to help someone towards holistic healing. So I think it's just important for the church to be willing to talk about it, but also be equipped with resources. Because it's not fair to expect the church to know how to handle every situation. You know, we're we're made up of humans, but just being well-equipped with resources and ways to connect people to other things.
0: Yeah, like the church is made up of people with different expertises. And we're not all experts in every area, but we, we should be experts in caring and loving.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the statistics that is kind of staggering is right now they're saying about one in four to five Americans struggle with mental illness. Suicide is the second leading cause for death in ages 10 to 34. And this year alone, youth have bypassed adults in being primary leading numbers around mental illness. So for the church to not be equipped in this is a huge gap because we're talking about a fourth or a fifth, if not more, right? Because these are people that are open about it. A fifth or a fourth of our population that is struggling with this. So the church should be aware that could be half their population, congregation and communities are feeling these things.
0: So you're telling me there could be a lack of awareness that if you say have a church of 500 people, that half the people walking in there any given day Mm
1: -hmm.
0: are walking with, with these hurts.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think especially... We have a generation coming up, our youth, that have much higher numbers than we even have. And so my prediction would be in the next five to 10 years, we'll see that, that number double. It's more important now than ever that we have a mentality in the church that is comfortable asking for help, comfortable about talking about these things and having resources available for people.
0: Wow. So you see as a mental health expert, you see a wave of even more mental health problems and issues. Where's the opportunity for the church in that? How can we be a part of addressing that compassionately?
1: I was reading this morning in Psalms 103. I'm just going to read this verse because it just like has been sticking with me all morning. It says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who follow him he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we're only dust. And maybe that's not comforting to everybody, but it's super comforting to me because if anything, I'm I'm experiencing a lot of my weakness in this season. And I think if we're being honest, a lot of us are. We're feeling really the depth of our weakness as far as the church being a part of this healing. I think we have to lead in vulnerability, lead in honesty about our struggles. We don't want to be the church that is pretending like we have it together. I mean, I (laughs) joked with my husband this morning, and I'll just be totally vulnerable. I was telling him that I was going to have this interview with you guys, and I was like, do you think I should tell him that yesterday... I about had my own mental break and drove to Starbucks and ordered like the biggest frappuccino with extra whipped cream and had like my big mental breakdown, (laughs) cried the whole way home sipping like a white chocolate frappuccino. And I'm an Americano drinker, so it's like a deep, dark place. I sent my brother a text and said, this is my cry for help. But I think like this is important, you know, like we have to be honest. Let's be honest with each other. Let's be honest with the community that knowing Jesus doesn't mean we don't have weaknesses and we aren't struggling with anxiety or depression ourselves. It means that we believe that there is hope beyond these struggles. We come together in them and that the church is a place where people feel like, I'm going to go be honest about the things that I'm struggling with versus I'm going to have to put this on the shelf until I leave the church.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah, and we know if we ever see you getting a frappuccino that you're you're having a healing moment. I, I might have to make this a practice. <laughs> Tears are, are healing.
1: I, uh, yeah, for those of you who can't see me, I am eight months pregnant and I've decided I'm going to start a YouTube channel titled pregnant and alone sort of like naked and afraid and it's all the terrible things that happen to you when you're pregnant and alone (laughs) Uh, so even if i just enjoy it later i'm sure it'll be worth it (laughs) that
0: is so great oh man so great a few words i heard that i've heard through that just stick out to me maybe you could speak to before i move to on to another question yeah but you know you talked about maybe having a holistic view of people you talked about weakness you know that there's real weakness that we're having to learn to embrace in such a time mm-hmm. as as we're in and coming out of and then grace so holistic weakness grace would you just talk about those words for a second
1: yeah well first holistic i think it is really important to know we are body soul mind right like that there are all those components and when we encounter stress whatever level of stress that is We encounter that in body, in soul, and in mind. And so Jesus is a holistic healer. He doesn't just heal one thing and leave out the others. He is all about holistic healing. And that's what I believe mental health tries to approach. When we talk about healing, we talk about wellness across the board. What does this look like in all these areas? And I really believe that Jesus led in that model
0: you, you touched on the concept of weakness, but not in a sense of like like that it makes something worthless, but there's an, a humanness to weakness. And then you've talked about grace. So weakness and grace.
1: I think, man, I think weakness is something we really fight against from a cultural standpoint. So an American culture is about your reputation, high performance and achievement. So that feels like it's counter against weakness. That the weakness is a failure. But we are a part of an upside down kingdom and in that upside down kingdom, I believe that that there's a lot of beauty in weakness and really there's freedom in that. When we are comfortable with the fact that we don't have it all together, we don't have all the answers, we can't know everything or handle everything, then we're in a place to receive grace. Then we're in a place to receive God's mercy and God's strength. And that's really freeing ultimately. I lived in Ireland for a year and the people there are really down to earth. Every culture has their strengths, right? And one of the things they said to me towards the end of my time was they said, I said, you guys, your people are so warm and friendly and I love living here. And they said, well, yeah, we know what we look like. And I just thought, gosh, that is so counter to American culture. We do not know. Maybe we know what we look like, but we're pretending like we don't know what we look like. And I think I would love for the church to be a place where people come and it's like, we know what we look like, right? Like we know what's working, what's not working. And This is who we are, you know, made in the image of God. So I think just embracing more of that aspect of we all got weakness, we all have strength, and being comfortable with both.
0: So, my next question for you, Kate maybe you can give us some hopeful examples where you are seeing a holistic mental health approached in good ways uh, within the church and even without.
1: I think that this is up and coming. So, I would say I think we're moving in that direction closer to that all the time. I know that several churches have kind of made themselves aware of this, have created resource lists. Whitewater is one of those where they have a resource list to refer people to, have kind of identified the hard work of finding therapists that they trust. And I think that that's a great model to take a step in that direction because Oftentimes, when it comes to finding a therapist, that's the most overwhelming part. And you don't want to be, you know, bearing your soul to someone that you don't know anything about necessarily or feel like you can trust. So having the church that you attend say, hey, we've vetted this person. We trust that this person is going to give you at least some sound counsel and wisdom takes a lot of the pressure off of the people to try and kind of find that help. And I think when we look at Jesus, we look at the way that he led his disciples, he had them go to the people. It's like you tell the story, like lowering the friend down to Jesus through the roof, right? Like, How can we take steps with people when they're already at that low place, when they really feel incapable of pursuing what they need on their own? How can the church be an active participant in kind of lowering them down towards help. And so I think having a resource list is great. Having it be a part of regular conversation so that it doesn't feel so big to bring up to someone like, hey, I'm having dark thoughts. And sometimes I think about what life would be like if I wasn't here. Would anyone miss me? You know, those feel like that's a huge burden to to overcome, to share. But the reality is a lot of our youth and a lot of adults have those thoughts, have those feelings. And we want to create, create an environment where they feel like they can share that and that we are equipped to respond. And I think that churches are getting there, starting to make steps where that is more of a culture to provide people with that help.
0: We have been in historic times. There has been upheaval after upheaval, socially, racially, culturally. We've gone through a hundred year pandemic, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. In a holistic way, people are impacted. Let's say five years from now, there's a future that you wake up to and the stigma of mental health within the church and within the community has been reduced significantly. Mental health is being embraced What would that, what would you wake up to? What would that look like to you five years from now? What would you love to see, you know, and how do you think we get there?
1: I read this quote a couple days ago and I've been like mulling it around and I just want to share this. It says, our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequality, exhaustion, depletion, disconnection, hoarding, hate, and lack. We have been given a new opportunity to stitch a new garment. And that's Sonia Renee Taylor. She's an activist. But I thought, oh my gosh, you know, like the tendency is to want everything to go back to what it was. But the reality is, what was, was not good, right? Like, if that's what we've learned from this year, hopefully, is that we were normalizing inequality and we were normalizing depletion and social exhaustion and hiding mental health. And I will say that there has been a 93% increase on the Mental Health American website, which is one of the most common websites people go to to seek out help. 93% uptick in 2020 of people reaching out for help. And you could see that as a really negative thing, or you could see that as a positive thing, as people that are coming to a place where they're willing to say, okay, I can't do this on my own. So I think you're spot on about in five years from now, I hope that it is a very common thing for people to be open to talking about that they have gone to counseling. I tell my clients, I see a therapist and they kind of like step back at that a little bit, but I try to normalize that. Look, I want help just as much as you do. And I have things to process. You don't have to be in your deepest, darkest place to be working through things in your life that you want healing in and that you want to be freer in. And so I hope that the church is on the forefront of that in five years. I hope that that churches have their own counseling networks or counseling centers. I hope that people think of the church when they think of a compassionate response to suicidal ideation, suicide attempts, depression, depression, unhealthy coping, whether that's addiction, I hope that we're leading in that. And I hope that 2020 is the boost that we need to get us there, to be done with where we have been coming from and to really have an opportunity to start something new.
0: If, if you don't have an image or a story, it's okay. But I wanted to ask you, do you have any, maybe just a short encapsulation of the power of this kind of compassionate healing in the lives of people?
1: In a roundabout way, I'll say I think community is healing. And I think that this year, wrestling to figure out what community has been has been what we've seen done a lot of the damage in our lives. Where I have seen immense healing come from in my experience, both in foster care and now in in counseling is from community. It's, It's from the people that are surrounding those that are hurting. I worked with a gal who was a teenager in the foster care system. And she has just been like to hell and back Mm -hmm. multiple times through multiple families. It's just a unbelievable story really. Um, But she found herself pregnant at 16 and I was working with her at the time and she was with a new foster family and we were sitting in one of her ultrasounds and, the doctor came in and there's probably such a weird modge podge of people, including different ethnicities and different ages. And the doctor kind of looked confused and said, "Uh, who are all these people? And she said, this is my family. And I thought, man, that is such a powerful image of the church, that when we come together, that we can come from all different walks of life, all different places of pain and look a million different ways and that this is family. And so I think that is what's healing. That's where I've seen the most healing. That was the most transformational time in her life. And she is doing well. It's really cool to see her and her adorable child. (laughs) He's the cutest thing. But that was the switch when the community came around her, when people came by her and stood with her through the ups and the downs. And so I really think there's power in community. And I think, you know, as we're hopefully opening things back up and moving towards restoring culture and community in the future that being together in that is gonna be super important.
0: Kate Conselman, thank you for joining the podcast.
1: Yeah, super happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: You've been listening to Common Grace, a Whitewater Church podcast. To learn more about us, visit us online at whitewaterchurch.org or reach out to info at whitewaterchurch.org. Thanks for listening.